Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. And welcome to the Active Worship Podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Great to be here today, and I'm so glad you are listening and going with me on this journey through the Psalms, the Book of Psalms, the Psalm Project. And we are here today marking the halfway point. We are at Psalm 75. I started this early in 2022. And here we are now towards the end of 2022, and we are in Psalm 75, again, book three. Um, These next several Psalms up through 83 will be attributed to Asaph. And uh, the title of this one, Psalm 75, is to the choir master according to Do Not Destroy. So that was the musical tune or whatever instructions they used uh, in the original Psalter. A psalm of Asaph, and it specifically says it is a song, as many of these psalms were. And I've said this before, the book of Psalms is the hymnal of Israel. And so many of these were used in musical settings. Um, In Psalm 75, there is the theme of casting down the wicked and lifting up the righteous, which is also found in Hannah's song in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. And you can also find this in Mary's song in Luke 1, 46 through 55, which is also known as the Magnificat. Uh, Several musical settings of the Magnificat have been set by composers throughout history, the Song of Mary. And uh, so this theme of casting down the wicked and lifting up the righteous is very prevalent in scripture because it is part of God's economy and his plan. And so let's take a look at Psalm 75. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. At the set time that I appoint, I will judge with equity. When the earth totters and all its inhabitants, it is I who keep steady its pillars. I say to the boastful, do not boast, and to the wicked, do not lift up your horn. Do not lift up your horn on high, or speak with haughty neck. For not from the east or from the west, and not from the wilderness comes lifting up. But it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, And he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. But I will declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked I will cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be lifted up. This is a very short psalm. The musical setting for this one I have set in a sort of slow, reverent a uh, worshipful setting. It is very short. There are three stanzas in this, and so it is uh, a very simple tune and melody. Uh, it could be easily, easily incorporated into any uh, corporate worship context. And so let's take a look at this. Verse 1, um, This, although it is a psalm written by Asaph, or it's attributed to Asaph at least, um, it is set from a corporate first person uh, first person plural perspective we give thanks to you we 
give thanks to you. So it begins as a communal thanksgiving, even though at the end of the psalm, the individual speaks for the community. Now, uh, this, this is a reminder to me that in the context of corporate worship, if you play a role in that, whether it is singing or speaking or praying or whatever the case might be, you are a representative on behalf of that body. And so, you know, we should not take that lightly. If, if you're asked to invoke a prayer or to voice an invocation or whatever the case may be, uh, on, on behalf of a corporate body, you are the voice. You are the representative for that corporate body. It is a very important role. And so that is why um, I strongly dislike it when someone is asked to pray, uh, maybe perhaps for an offertory prayer or um, a, a prayer of enlightenment or a closing prayer, if you, if you want to call it a closing prayer, I really don't like that term, but whatever the case may be, prayer of illumination before a sermon, whatever type of prayer, if someone is asked to do that, I, I really despise it when that is not taken seriously, when someone walks up unprepared and just starts uttering the first words out of their mouth. And there are those that might say, well, that's more sincere. And how is that any more sincere? any more unsincere than someone's crafted and well thought out prayer. If you went to a, a, a judge, if you went to a court case, you would not come unprepared. And I would dare say that that doesn't mean, you know, that that does not mean that you are insincere in that approach. Just because you are prepared, you can still be sincere. Uh, we just need to take our roles as worshipers and worship leaders seriously. And so the end of this psalm, the psalmist is speaking on behalf of the community. And he mentions several things in this first verse. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. So there's the aspect of God's name, the name above all names. And then we recount your wondrous deeds. Deeds. I'm reminded of Revelation 15, 3 through 4, where they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. And they say, great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. And so there's this idea of recounting, remembering, and declaring the deeds of God because they are great and they could never be expressed enough. He says in verse 2, and this, this is, uh, you couldn't hear it when I was reading the text, but several of these in our English translations are in quotes as if God is the one speaking this. So where the psalmist says, we recount your wondrous deeds. Verse 2 begins in quotation marks. This is God speaking. At the set time that I appoint, I will judge with equity. God's judgments are always just, and he knows the secrets of the human heart better than we know our own hearts. Our own hearts lead us astray. You know, when someone says, follow your heart, no, don't do that. That's bad advice. Very bad advice. The heart is deceitful, wicked by nature. Verse 3, when the earth totters, and all its inhabitants. It is I who keep steady its pillars. Again, that's God speaking. God provides the underlying stability of the order in the world. 
Then in verse 4, you see this term horn quite a bit. Do not lift up your horn. This is a common metaphor of one of the powerful horned beasts proudly lifting up its head in defiance and anger. And God here warns the wicked not to act in this way against him because the consequences are dire. Verse 7, it is God who executes judgment. It is God not any person in it goes on in the the east the west um all over the world so it's verse 6 from not from the east or from the west not from the wilderness not from any of these places it's not anyone from any of these places it is god who executes judgment and he's the one that determines what will stand. Verse 8. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup. If you remember Psalm eleven six. now it's been a while. I've slept since then too. So um, Psalm eleven six says, Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a, and a uh, scorching wind shall be the portion of... Of their cup. Um, this is reminiscent of the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah, but the portion of their cup, uh, there's a cup of God's blessing, and you see this in the 23rd Psalm as well, my cup overflows. But there's also a cup of God's wrath, so you have two different types of cups here, the cup of God's blessing and the cup of God's wrath. And the wicked will drink the cup of wrath. And we see this here, for in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it to the dregs. So the wicked, this is the cup of wrath, not the cup of blessing from the 23rd Psalm, but the cup of wrath. And the wicked will drink it all up. Jesus Christ took on um, the punishment that we deserve by drinking the cup of God's wrath for us, which was what we deserved. But those who do not receive Christ will receive this cup of wrath. And we who are God's receive his cup of blessing. And so uh, this is another metaphor, but you have this idea of the cup of God. Um, you know, it's, it's the juxtaposition of his wrath and his mercy. And that is hard for some people to think of and to fathom that God could be both loving and wrathful, but he is. Um, in fact, the reason Jesus was crucified was to take on the wrath of God that should have been ours. Tim Keller says that I am saved by God from God. And there are a lot of people who don't like that idea. Well, what do you mean you're saved from God? <laughs> God's wrath was rightfully, or should have rightfully, been placed on us. That's justice. And, and God is a just God. His wrath had to be poured out. And it was Jesus Christ who took it. Is that unjust? No, but it's merciful. It is absolutely merciful. And so we don't receive the cup of wrath that is mentioned here in Psalm 75. We receive the cup of of blessing, but this is clear here when it's talking about the um, casting down of the wicked that God has a cup 
of wrath designed for those who reject him. And so uh, this is a, uh, made a great musical setting, very simple, as I said. And even though it's speaking of casting down the wicked, it really is, you know, the words of God are true, no matter how strange they may seem to us. And so we can sing and utilize this, this text in the context of corporate worship. And so um, this is a psalm that speaks of the wrath of God and casting out the wicked, uh, but it certainly can be used in the in the context of worship, and the musical setting makes it easy for that. It, it's an easy and simple tune uh, to sing. So, here is Psalm 75. Thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Sorry. 